morning with you all. And uh, yes, absolutely. I, I spent a wonderful weekend, anniversary weekend with my bride uh, last week. It was great. We went to a little bed and breakfast place uh, in Gettysburg, and uh, they had no cellular service, no internet, no TV. If you wanted TV, you had to get a DVD out of the case. And they had things that were so old, I couldn't remember them. <laughs> but we got to spend some quality time. And that allowed me to read my Bible and dive in on the lesson that we're going to have today. And I got to tell you, it's this, this a little scary to stand up here and talk about the Song of Solomon. The Song of Songs. That's our lesson for today. And this is, although it's God's Word, there are some parts of this that you could, I think the, the biblical theologian term is spicy. There are some things in here that God-honoring marriage relationships should follow. And uh, today's the day. We're going to talk about the only book in the Bible that parents would be okay with if their kids skipped. <laughs> so we covered Adam and Eve and Abraham and Sarah and Jacob, Rachel and Leah. And now we're going to talk about Solomon and the Shulamite. And uh, we're going to continue over the next few weeks going through these different couples in the Bible and how their relationships went and what we can learn from those relationships. And so far, I've said that these outrageous couples were really for anybody. They're for any relationships. I said it was from a, a sibling standpoint. It was from a, a parent to child standpoint. This, um, this message today is really uh, focusing on the husband and wife relationship. So if you're not married, don't get up and walk out. Because there are things in here that you could use in your relationship as you go towards that. And then there are also things that you could learn here to help mentor those in your life that are moving in that direction. And if you're lucky enough to be engaged and almost married right now, you're going to learn a couple of things. So there might be one or two of you in the congregation at that fits. So today we're going to look at the Song of Solomon, or the Song of Songs, Solomon and the Shulamite. And this Song of Songs, where does this name come from? Well, what does it mean when we say King of Kings? And how about Lord of Lords? What is that actually saying? It's the most important. It is the best. This Song of Songs is actually the best of songs. It is a perfect song. And this is a collection of, of, uh, of Jewish poetry that some say is, is written by Solomon. Others say that because Solomon's name is in there, that's why it's listed as Song of Solomon. But today's lesson is about love and trust and honor. A little bit of background. So it was written... 
around uh, 965 B.C., so about a 1,000 years before Jesus, this book was written. And I'll tell you what, the book, if, if you read it, there's only eight chapters, so it's not long. How many of you have actually read the book? Yep. Okay, great, good. A lot of you. Okay, how many of you blushed while you were reading it? Yeah, right? Isn't that something? So uh, that's the way Scripture is. It strips away the things that the world would tell you are inappropriate. And God says, look, what I've ordained is clean. It is pure, it is holy, and it is good. And we're going to touch on that this morning. Um, some theologians say this is an allegory looking at Christ and his love for the church, or it's a relationship poem about a husband and a wife. So today we're going to skim the surface, but in November we're going to go a little bit deeper in it as we do a more exhaustive study on the Song of Solomon or the Song of Songs. So if you take your Bible, go ahead and go to chapter 1. And we'll get started right there, just after I pray. Lord, we are about to embark on a study of a subject of a book that came from your mind. So, Lord, let us do this study in honor of you, with the love that you have for us in our hearts, God, help us to see clearly what you would have us to see through this. In Jesus' name, amen. It starts off in chapter 1, verse 1, saying, The Song of Songs, which is of Solomon. And it says, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for thy love is better than wine. So it's sweet and refreshing. Because of the Savior of thy good ointments, thy name is as an ointment poured forth. Therefore, do the virgins love thee. little bit of explanation needed there. What does it say is as an ointment poured forth? Did you see it in, in verse 3? Thy name. His name is like sweet-smelling perfume. It is like good stuff. Now, what's his name? Solomon. Is Solomon so special? What is the writer talking about when she says your name? Well, think about our worship songs. There's a, there's a worship song that's it's your name. Anybody know that song? Your name is a strong and mighty tower. Your name is wonderful, right? It's not the name, but the character is what we're referring to. So don't get hung up on the person's name is wonderful. When I read that, John, I thought, come on. My mom named me Rodney. I mean, if she named me Solomon, it would be wonderful. I mean, it'd be like sweet-smelling ointment. It's not your name, folks. It's your character. And, and there's a difference there, isn't there, in character and what people think about you, which is what we would call uh, a reputation, right? This is not a reputation, but his actual character. The reason for this whole ointment thing is they didn't take a lot of baths. 
and it was hot. So they would use this perfumey kind of ointment to cover themselves so they were presentable, especially if you were going to see your fiancé. You'd want to do that. The ointment, the perfume, was his name and his character. It was not a reputation. The difference between reputation is, and character is who people think you are versus who you really are. What people observe of you to what you actually do when no one is looking. That's the difference here. And she says that, therefore do the virgins love thee. No wonder women love you, Solomon. And it's not because you're a hottie with a body. That's not it. It is your character. That's what is going to draw her to him, is the character. A good name. You see, marriage is not about finding the right person. That's not what marriage is about. Marriage is about becoming the right person. So you say, I'm already married. Well, you, I, I, would, I would argue you're not done yet. You're not done being the person that your spouse needs you to be. You need to go further. You need to continue on. Andy Stanley says it like this. Become the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. Take a minute. This is a little confusing. Become the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. This translates, here's one piece that translates beyond that marriage and relationship thing. Anybody ever look for a job? Be the person that the hiring manager is looking for. Be the person that the person you're looking for or looking to work for is looking for. If we do that, then we're continuously improving ourselves. It travels outside of marriage. They often say, don't dress for the job that you have, dress for the job that you want. But she also has some problems. She realizes there are some problems in, in her own life. Verse 5 explains those problems. So let's take a look at that. She says, I am black, but comely. Now let me explain that a little bit. What she's saying is she's dark. Your, some of your translations will say darkened or dark but comely or lovely. Although I'm dark-skinned, I'm lovely. O ye daughters of Jerusalem, as the tents of Cater, as the curtains of Solomon, look not upon me, because I am black, because the sun hath looked upon me, and my mother's children were angry with me. They had made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. She's saying, Solomon, don't stare at me. Don't even look at me because I'm sunburned or, or really super dark tan. Now, in our culture, to be tan is great. 
I mean, some people will, if you're not tan enough, they'll go to the sunbed or the tanning salon until they come out looking like a leather couch. But in this day and age, if you are really dark like that, that means you're out in the sun a lot, working. Because there was no office jobs, no air conditioning. And if you looked and someone was very dark and someone else was very white, what would you think about them? They don't have to work. Why wouldn't they have to work? That's exactly right. They're rich. They've got, they're of substance. So you could easily see who is rich and who is not by just looking out through the crowd. Sort of like what I can. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that is the culture that they're in. And she's, she's so insecure about this. Don't look at me, Solomon. You, I, I am so dark. Her brothers had her working in the vineyard. And if you had money, you didn't have to work in the vineyard. So what is the issue? Is the issue that she's dark? Or is the issue that she's poor? She's slowly revealing her insecurities. But watch as he loves them away. Emotional and physical insecurities. Everybody has them. Everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm too thin. I'm too fat. I'm too short. I'm too tall. My nose is crooked. My hair is thin. My hair is gone. Whatever it is, we all have these insecurities. These can be physical insecurities, but there are also emotional insecurities. I had a relationship I was really hurt in. I can't trust anybody. I can't let anybody get close to me. All these kinds of, of different insecurities people have. She is slowly putting them out there for Solomon. And Solomon's going to see those insecurities and he's going to say, I have a way to take those away. She says, in, in, uh, at the end of verse 6, she says, They've made me keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I've not kept. My own self I've not been able to keep up with. I've not been able to go to the gym. I wanted to lose weight, so I joined two gyms so I could lose it twice as fast. It didn't work. She's letting her hair go. She's letting all these things go because she's so busy with her day-to-day. -day. Anybody here busy with your day-to-day -day so much that you don't have time to do all the things that you would like to do? What happens when you're going someplace special and you actually take the time to do the things you want to do? What happens then? What kind of a reaction did you get? Wow! <laughs> Guys, do that on the inside. Okay? You look so different! No, not a good thing. Verse 9, he comes back and he tells her, I liken you, my darling, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariot horses. This is the look she gave him. Are you? So I look, I look like a horse, is what you're saying. How kind of you. 
you need to understand this a little bit. This was an adult female horse, and the white horse pulled Pharaoh's chariot. It was the most esteemed, prized animal in the entire nation. What he's really saying here is, you are beyond value. You are beyond value. And um, another reason that the mare is important is sometimes in battle, they would take a mare that was in heat, and as they went into battle, they would lead that mare this way. And all the chariots and all the cavalry, they would come in, and all the horses would go that way. And it offered them protection. So this is a very valuable asset. And what he's saying is, you know, you think you have all this stuff, all these problems. You think your skin is burned, but you're gorgeous to me. The first thing that we talked about was his name. And that showed a godly character. We need to have a godly character both for our mates and in our work environments, to our children. That absolutely translates. This, what he's doing now, is consistent encouragement. He is telling her all the things that she thinks she doesn't have right. He is telling her, oh no, not only are they right, I love them. This encouragement is important. So what are the results? What are the results? Well, let's take and go down to chapter 2, and we'll see what the results are. Chapter 2, and we'll look at verse 1. Now that she's hearing this, she says, I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. Like a lily among thorns is my darling among the young women. What's happening here is she says something, he says something. She says something, he says something. She says, I am like a lily in the valley. Now, the, the rose of Sharon uh, is a very beautiful flower. And he, and he says, furthermore, no, 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 look. You're not just a lily among lilies. You're a rose among thorns. That's how good you are. If you're not telling your spouse those kinds of things on a daily basis, you're missing out. You're missing out. Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my beloved among the young men. What did she say he was like? An apple tree? Interesting. I mean, he did call her a horse, so. But what's important about this apple tree is what she does with it. Look what it says. I delight to, what's it say? Sit in its shade. What was her insecurity? The sun darkening her. And now he is there to shield her from the sun. He is protecting her from the thing that she fears most or that she's most insecure about. These are the things that we can do for our spouses and our children 
and our friends and our family, whatever their insecurities are, you come in and you can shield them from those insecurities. His fruit is sweet to taste. He is her sunscreen. Now let me ask you a question. Did she stop being dark? No. What happened? It just stopped mattering. That is what love can do. That is what a a person who is meeting someone's needs, that consistent encouragement can do. She thought her unkept appearance was ugly. Remember, she didn't have time to, to keep herself. Her hair was probably all crazy. Look, there is nothing more attractive than your wife coming out with bedhead wearing your t-shirt. You know? I mean, I don't care what your hair looks like. Christy, I don't care what your hair looks like. (laughs) She cares what her hair looks like. Yeah, I come over and, and I go to give her a hug. And what do you think she says to me? Oh, I love you, right? What does she say? Sometimes she says get away, especially if I do something bad. (laughs) She says, watch my hair. Watch my hair. Bedhead's okay. Bedhead's okay. Totally fine. This couple is now married in Scripture here. And so we're going to move into a season of infatuation. A season of infatuation. Verse 8 of chapter 2. Listen, my beloved, look, here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. This guy is excited, 100% in love. Now, he is peeking through the lattice, looking in the window at her. This isn't a creepy thing. This isn't a peeping Tom. This is peekaboo. He's being playful. Do you remember how that was to be in love so much that you just enjoyed being with someone, playing games, things like that. Verse 10 says, My beloved spoke to me and said, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. See, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The the cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. It's a new season. It's a season of love. When you're in love, a magical thing happens. it's, It's amazing. All love songs you hear, they totally make sense. They absolutely do. When you uh, go into the drugstore, every card says exactly what you want to say. 
everything reminds you of, of him or her. You see something, you're like, oh, there's that pew, this is where we sit. It's just little things like that. You're going through the line at McDonald's, oh, her favorite is number whatever it is, which may or may not be true. They change them a lot, I think, just to mess you up. So the fourth piece that we have to make sure we're doing is pursuing intimacy. Now, we're just about out of time, so I'm just going to kind of gloss over this. But I wish we had more fans in here. Most people think intimacy is romance, and it's not. Intimacy is transparency. Intimacy is not having secrets. Intimacy is getting to know the person so closely that nothing is held back. Uh, looking at verse 14, it says, My dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places on the mountainside, show me your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet, and your face is lovely. He wants nothing more than to see her face and to hear her voice, because it really lights him up. Do you remember how close you felt when you were dating your spouse? Why did you feel so close to them? First of all, you try to spend every waking moment, right? But you talked and you talked and you talked. Welcome back, Tony. You talked and you talked and you talked. And you, you probably know this one. No, you hang up first. No, you hang up first to the point where one person's on the phone listening to someone else snore. Sorry. But afterwards, after we're married, it's more like this. How was your day? Fine. You get the headlines versus the details. Instead of, hey, how'd that make you feel? What happened at work today? Well, this happened. Okay. No, go a little deeper. How did that, how'd that make you feel when that happened? We're getting closer to each other through that, through those discussions. When you're married, it's easy to think you're close because you share things. You share a house. You share food. You share toothpaste. You share a bed. You share a toilet. But if you don't share your feelings, you will lose intimacy. There's a difference between being close by and being close to. Does that make sense? There's so much more to Song of Solomon. In the next few chapters... It dives into God honoring sex. Yes, that's in the Bible. The world has made this 
perverted. It has twisted it to seem messed up. But it's not at all how God had envisioned it. God's things are always better. His water is more refreshing. His spirit guides diligently. And the gift of sex within marriage satisfies incredibly. Then transitioning from that, there's a big fight. I know, hard to believe in a marriage there'll be a fight. But yeah, there's going to be a fight and there's going to be a makeup. And we'll cover all of that stuff in November. Will you pray with me? God, thank you, Lord, for giving us a book like the Song of Songs. It allows us to see that we all have insecurities. But if we have godly character and we use consistent encouragement, we can help to overcome each other's weaknesses. So, Lord, help us do that this week. Help us to draw closer, to be diligent in making sure we have intimacy, that we're getting closer to our spouse. It could be a conversation. Go deeper. Say, how does that make you feel? Lord, help us, guide us in this. In Jesus' name, amen.